Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast. It's Monday. That means it's time to catch up with our All-American linebacker, Jay Lehman. Uh, we got plenty to talk about in the Big Ten here, Jay, uh, because, man, it's getting interesting, and, and we're getting right into the Big Ten slate. Uh, but Illinois, they take care of business against Chattanooga. I know you were there. A dominant 31 nothing victory to finish conference play, non-conference play, undefeated uh, for the first time since 2011. Uh, so let's get right to it. What was your big takeaway from the win over the Mox? Well, first and foremost, what you just said, 3-0 and in non-con play, first time since 2011. You know, I had not realized, neither did Brett Bielema realize, that we had not beat a Power 5 opponent in non-con since 2011, you know? I, I think that was Arizona State, right? And so I think that's that's huge. Um, what, I, what My biggest takeaway is that when you're really good up front, especially defensively, n- you can win games where you just don't have to play your best or you just overpower people. And that's exactly what, you know, it was, is we just overpowered Chattanooga from a defensive front perspective. And um, they really sold out to, to stop Chase Brown. But what it, it showed me that, you know, Tommy DeVito has the arm and some receivers that can make you pay if you stack the box. There's no way uh, with – Tony Peterson's offense and Brandon Peters or, 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 or Sikowski last year, we'd be able to throw for 300 yards like that. And so it was really good to see Pat Bryan have a good day. Good to see Isaiah Williams have a big day. But I think the biggest takeaway for me is when you're dominant up front, upsets are very difficult to happen, right? I mean, because you can always rely on those guys. Well, Jay, I want to get into the passing attack. I know that's exciting. We've been seeing signs of this throughout the first four games. But we got to start with this defense, right? The Virginia's struggling this year. They had a competitive game last week and a loss. Chattanooga's FCS, I know that. But this defense, the last two weeks, Jay, has allowed three points, gotten 10 sacks, 15 quarterback hurries, 14 pass breakups, five takeaways. You've seen Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota. How's this Illinois defense um, kind of stack up with those really great Big Ten West defenses? See, I think they're right there in the thick of it. You know, I, I understand that Minnesota took a leap this week when they beat you know Michigan State pretty handily. I was a little bit suspect of Minnesota just because of the schedule the first three weeks. Uh, I think their defense is solid. I think Iowa's defense is solid, uh, always is. 
and Wisconsin's defense is out. I think ours is right there. And I've said this, like, you know, right now I know of five players that are going to be NFL players on that team, right? I mean, uh, on Illinois' defense, uh, Johnny Newton, um, you know, Keith Randolph, and then Quan Martin and Sidney Brown and Devin Witherspoon. Uh, there, there could be others, uh, certainly some of the younger guys. We saw some of the outside backers starting to really come into their own. I think that was missing a bit. Um, what's interesting to me, too, is if you just look at how we play coverage-wise on people, um, we're probably most similar to Wisconsin, who's a very handsy man-to-man team. I think we – asking me to stack up the defense – I think coverage-wise, we have the most suffocating, challenging coverage in the Big Ten that I've seen, okay? That doesn't mean we're going to get the most picks. A lot of times our eyes are not on the quarterback. It's hard to get picks where I was playing zone. Their eyes are going to be on the quarterback. They're probably get more picks, but they'll give up more receptions. We'll have a lot more pass breakups. You'll see a lot more pass breakups by our defense than, say, an Iowa defense, which will go for interceptions. Um so I think we're right there in the thick of it. I think what we may lack a little bit, I thought early on was a good edge rusher, but I think Akis and I think uh, Coleman are starting to improve and get up to that Carney Gay level. And so, uh, and then I think we're, we're also looking for that interior linebacker that can erase some of the mistakes, right? Um, Sidney Brown does a lot of that for you at the strong safety position. He's basically he makes a, a lot of Right. Right. Yeah. right. I mean, so he, you know, we see the backers not maybe making as many plays. That's because Sydney erases a lot of different things um, and, a, and a really good football player in what he does. And so I, I kind of count Sydney in that, especially when they're in single high coverage or they, they sometimes slough off into a cover three, like, you know, Quan Martin, when he got that pick, it looked like it was man, but he was really reading the eyes. So then he got a pick, right? Uh, so using cover three. So I think to take the next step, I'd love to see our interior linebackers make a few more plays. Uh, although I think Dark Angelo is playing pretty solid. I think I think Tariq Barnes is a very, very solid player. Calvin Hart's been quiet thus far. Um, but that's how I see them stack up. I, I don't know if I would trade our two DTs for anybody um, in the league right now. Uh I don't know anybody that's playing better than those two guys more active. And, and a big shout out to Calvin Avery. You know, he might not make as many tackles or plays, but you'd be hard pressed to find a nose that's easy, that's harder to move than him in the Big Ten West. Yeah, you hit it all there. I think Calvin Avery had another great game. Uh, sure. Johnny and Keith are, are playing at an insane level. Uh, but, yeah, Illinois secondary, and, and this goes with the pass rush as well, their pass efficiency first in the country right now defensively um, and also passing yards allowed their ninth right now. So they, they are playing uh, at an insane level. Jay, you did mention it. Seth Coleman and Gabe Ackes are really starting to ramp up the pressure, starting to get to the quarterback and bring him down um, along with Newton and Randolph and, and everything they're doing in Avery. Uh, PFF grades this, uh, the number three coverage among power five teams uh, ahead of Iowa, ahead of Georgia. So, so what is the emergence of Gabe Ackes and Seth Coleman mean for that defense? And do you think it's it can continue against Wisconsin, against Iowa, sure. against Minnesota, yeah. good offensive lines usually? Yeah, we're, we're going to find out. Um, I would say this. The passing game is all timing. And defensively, too, it's, it's timing. The difference between giving a quarterback 
two and a half seconds to three and a half seconds in the pocket is huge, right? It, it really, really is a big factor. I thought early on, um, Akis and, and Coleman and, and Zeke Holmes, when he was healthy, um, we just weren't quite getting the attack off the edge that we wanted to uh, or the pressure that we wanted to. I think if you're not going to get to the quarterback within three, three and a half seconds in the man coverage that we're in, I don't care how good your defensive backs are, you're going to give up some plays. I just, I just don't care how, how good it is. Um, if you can take a half a second out of that, take it down from three and a half to three, you rush things a little bit. And then number two, you start to wear down the quarterback as the game goes on. You watch that tape where um, the Virginia game, Brandon Armstrong is not the same quarterback in the second half, right? He's taking too many hits. And so you start to wear them down. I think what's impressive about that passing efficiency uh, rating too, is that it's not like we sell out to stop the pass. Many times we're loading the box to stop the run, uh, which we've been very stouting. And I know Ford got a couple couple plays on you know some missed tackles, but uh, I think that's the rarity is that, that they're doing a lot of this pass efficiency stuff out of man-to-man coverage. And I think Illinois is building a reputation of, man, if you want defensive backs that are long and physical, that play man-to-man, you can go, if you're the NFL, I could go there and get a guy right now that can do that, right? And so um, I think they're setting them up for success. So I think, but back to Akis and Coleman, taking that time down is going to be huge for the whole defense. Jay, this seems like maybe an elementary question, but this is why I want to ask you, like, what makes them so good in man-to-man coverage, right? I mean, Virginia is full of good receivers. Um, Chattanooga had some guys that made some plays in, in, in previous weeks. I know they're overmatched by Illinois, but Indiana, I thought, you know, had some plays, and Illinois gave up some in man-to-man, but they also made a lot of plays. So sure. what makes this group so good in man-to-man coverage? Because that should be difficult. Right, right. So three things. I think this comes out down to a lot of coaching, but three things is number one, if you're going to be good at man-to-man coverage, you've got great eye discipline. That's football ease for saying, if, I got, if I'm in man-to-man coverage and I'm not looking at my man, I'm looking at the quarterback complete passes to my man, right? And so what I need to do is I need to have great eye discipline. They have great eye discipline, number one, okay? Number two, uh, the rules in college football state that I can hit the receiver after five yards. I can have, I can have contact. Um, that's not so in NFL. I'll tell you what, they take full advantage of that rule. They are very, what I call a handsy, very physical. It's what we've seen Wisconsin doing the defensive backside for a long time, but very, very physical. So they're going to use, they're going to, they're not going to give you clean releases if they're up on you. If you're in and out of breaks, they're going to have their hands on you. And as long as, long as the ball, as long as their, their hands are off you when the ball's thrown, there really isn't any foul. Number three is, we are exceptional at 50-50 balls and winning those from a defensive perspective. And when I say winning a 50-50 ball, that doesn't mean I intercepted all the time, although Quan got a 50-50 ball and picked it off last game. It's the pass breakups, right? It's using the great technique of the long arm rake with your left hand or your right hand coming across and breaking up the passes with a lot of pass breakups. I know Quan has a ton. Sydney had a couple, um, but they do a lot, of, a lot of different pass breakups. So I think that, and then fourth, I think um, the pressure helps, yeah. of course, but, but, but not including the pressure. What I've noticed is that they mix up and disguise 
very well, um, both their alignment and their coverage. They make um, sometimes their their cover three, uh, their man to man look like a different co like cover three, a, a zone coverage. And so I don't think it's just like there, there are a lot of plays where hey, everybody knows this man to man. Everybody in the stadium knows this man to man. But there's a lot of other times where they don't know that it's been, it might look like zone. And so the reads are different. So they help themselves with disguising. All of those are a product of coaching. Uh, and so I give a lot of credit to Ryan Walters and, and Aaron Henry, uh, of course, the other defensive coaches as well, but those two guys I know work mainly with the defensive back. So those are kind of the four things I would say, make you a good man-to-man -man defender. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. CBS Sunday, after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Jay, let's switch to the offense. And in a passing attack that looks not only competent, but sometimes dangerous, right? Tommy DeVito shined in this game, maybe one bad decision the entire game. We'll get to Pat Bryant and what he means for this passing offense, but what works so well for DeVito and Barry Lonnie against Chattanooga? And it seemed like, from my perspective, there was a lot more RPOs in this game. Bingo. Um, yeah, so like, what works so well with that? And why do you think the RPOs are just kind of I guess, I guess wholesale in this game. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching the game on Thursday night and I'm seeing the game. And in my mind, I'm like, I saw a play. I was like, oh my gosh, this looks exactly like the UTSA offense that played against Illinois, right? Yep. Where they would run the RPO with what I'll call a, you know, kind of a deep slant. It's not a quick slant. It's a deep slant where the guy runs about ah, seven yards vertical, then pounds it in, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is what I'm going to talk about on Monday with Jeremy is this because it look and you go ahead and ask that question. So you're seeing the same things, but well, Jay, you know, Jay, I, I sat there at one point in the press box and I tweeted, is, is Pat Bryant, is that, is that Zakari Franklin out there? Right. I, right. You know, so I don't follow your Twitter as close as I should, but exactly. That's what, that's what I was thinking. Right. Yeah. Cause it was just basically bang, bang, bang on the RPO. Um, you know, it was, a lot of counting boxes too and saying, okay, wait, I can throw this right out to Pat Bryant. That, that first throw that uh, to Pat where he kind of made one guy miss and then got up field. Um, that's simply just a numbers thing. Okay. Well, they were trying to put one more in the box for chase. Um, they were determined not to let chase beat him. And uh, I think it opened up a ton of plays in the RPO game, like you said, and the RPO game is just, it's a very, it's, very one, you gotta be able to run the ball. We can do that. Okay. Number two, it's, it's very timing oriented, very, very timing oriented, right? That ball is going to a spot on the money. Number three, you got to be able to win contested catches, something that, that our, that our receivers have not been great at. Um, partly because of their size, 
but but also just they just haven't been great at contested t- catches. We did all that and better. I know it was against a lesser opponent, although albeit a top 10 opponent in the FCS. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was for sure the UTSA offered three more. That's what I thought we were getting, you know, but I think it's taking time to get there. Jay, I, Pat Bryant plays a key in that. I want to ask all that, but I mean, the quarterback is so important in, sure. in making those decisions. What is on Tommy DeVito and what do you think can make him effective going into Big Ten play with those kind of RPOs? So one thing I like about the RPO is you basically take protection out of the the equation, right? So uh, that's not to say our offensive line isn't doing a good job protecting. I think overall they've kept DeVito upright, right? That was the promise to get him here. He's been sacked a lot at Syracuse, right? So what I like about RPO is you – take away basically your quarterback getting hit on an RPO because the other going to hand the ball off or throw it quickly. So it gives him confidence. He can step into his throw number one on RPO. I think what is underrated about DeVito that it's underrated about every quarterback. Cause we fall in love with how tall a guy is, how fast he is, how strong his arm is, is the accuracy. You know, and I'll, and I'll go back to this again. You know, uh, Drew Brees, a little bit older than me, had a chance to play against an NFL he led the, I think he's at the all-time record for accuracy, right? I mean, completion percentage. Not the biggest, not the fastest, nor am I comparing DeVito to Drew Brees. I'm just saying, you don't, what was he, 23 of 31? Or it was it was something like uh, in that, you, you don't do that in a college game without being a highly accurate quarterback. Like it's, it's hard, right? And number two, and number three is, uh, I just think he's made smart decisions. I know there was a couple miscommunications on, he thought they were running go routes or hitch routes or whatever it was. But for the most part, he has not thrown it in the danger zone, you know, since really that, you know, first quarter of Virginia where he kind of threw that one up. But so he's taking, he's, he's, he's using the RPO to perfection. He's got a good accuracy and he's being smart with the football. Pat Bryant has emerged. He's now led the team in receiving yards three of the four games this season. Uh, Isaiah Williams, I think they're using him like we expected them to, but they needed a deep threat. And that was kind of our uh, who's the big physical guy that can go win these contested catches. What have you seen from Pat Bryant? Um, and, and what do you think he can be uh, the rest of the season getting into Big Ten play where obviously you got big physical DBs coming up here? Sure. Yeah. One thing I've been impressed with Pat, I had never seen him make somebody miss somebody in, in space, make somebody miss in space like I did in that first play, you know. Um, you know, we always teach as linebackers that a guy will approach you. I'll get a little geeky here. So when you're trying to make an open field tackle, what will happen is you will break down, he will break down, and right before he cuts, his chest is going to come up, he's going to do a long arm stick the opposite direction of he's actually going to go, meaning that he's going to put his foot out to the opposite direction. And you've got to pro- program yourself as a linebacker to go opposite of that stick. Hmm. Because if you do, you hit him right in the chest. If you don't, you'll always miss him. It brought me back to that drill of, 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 of it's hard to learn in real time. Right. Cause it's like, you're, you're going opposite of the way the guy's going, but it's, it's, you'll see this happen over and over. The guy will run at you, put a stick in the ground, like he's going to go and then come back the other way. And that's exactly what he did. Put it in the ground, made a guy miss, got upfield, and got vertical. Didn't dance a lot, which I like. He's been really, really good. And he hasn't been challenged that well of getting off the line. He gets off the line. He's not beat up on the line. And, 
you know, I think he had some growing pains. He dropped the pass at Indiana. He fumbled going into the end zone at Virginia. I get it. But for the most, let's remember, he's still a sophomore on the field. And I think he's finally bulked up a little bit. He's got the size, but he's got the speed that we're looking for. And I've been impressed with his ability to track the ball. I think he, he tracks it pretty well, meaning balls in the air. He ends up at least having a chance to get it. And he's getting better and better at winning, uh, you know, those catches that are contested. So I like Pat. I think, I think he's just scratching the surface. I really do. Uh, and I think he's finally got a quarterback that uh, part of the problem is that we may able to develop receivers because they had a quarterback. All right. So I think now we're developing them. And I think that's excited about Pat. Yeah. This year it should be a little easier to maybe sell the next transfer quarterback, the, the <laughs> wide receivers coming up, Jay. Um, right. Because I mean, they're four games in and they're already halfway to their passing stats last year. Right. Like sure. all of a sudden that becomes a little bit easier in recruiting. And then I think of what they can do on the defensive side of, of selling defensive linemen and defensive backs right now. Like, and, and we know the running backs, we know the offensive line, but um, that, that should help. And, and getting to a bowl game helps, but developing pros and, and putting up numbers certainly is what these recruits well, want. I mean, this is the team that is probably, you know, going to have six, maybe seven draft picks. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know where Palcheski or Pearl kind of fit into that. You know, is Pearl a senior or is he well, he's a fifth year junior? Okay. So, you know, I think you got, you got the five guys we talked about. You've definitely got Chase Brown, right? Um, so I look at that. I'm like, man, when's the last time we knew we probably have six NFL guys on the Illinois team. Um, this is a chance to be a solid year. I mean, you look at it that way. And from a recruiting perspective, like you mentioned, if I'm a back, I, I obviously Brett Bielema's resume says, the running back is usually good or usually goes to the NFL, right? So I want that. If I'm a lineman, offensive lineman, shoot, I'm 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 gonna be a mauler, basically, right? But now we're kind of and then defensively, like you said, hey, D tackles and if you want to play an aggressive man-to-man coverage and challenge people, hey, this is the place to be. And we're developing those players. Well, Jay, a monster matchup in, in Wisconsin. I know the storyline is is Brett Bielma returning 10 years later after surprising and leaving, but this is a huge opportunity for the Illinois football program, right? Uh, they opened as nine and a half underdogs. That's moved to eight and a half. Uh, but Wisconsin, like last year, came out of the gates and struggled. Uh, but last year, they lost to three ranked teams. This year, they lost to Washington State, um, who looks competitive. Uh, but um, they were outclassed by Ohio State, which not a surprise. But what do you think uh, of this Illinois-Wisconsin matchup, given what happened last year, right? Wisconsin was kind of wounded coming to that game last year. And they just absolutely dominated Illinois physically in that 24-0 shutout. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was 24-0. It might have been 54-0 the way it felt in that stadium that day. Illinois just could not do anything. I remember uh, the plan was to, like, throw the ball, short passes, and it just didn't work. We didn't get Chase Brown the ball that much, and it, it was unfortunate. Let's just say that. And I think this is, a, this is really another full-circle game, uh, kind of like Virginia was. But this is like, this was kind of like Brett Bielema, Illinois, welcome to the Big Ten Conference and Wisconsin just laid it on him, right? And we've always said Illinois aspires to beat Wisconsin. They aspire to beat Iowa. And I think this is a full circle game for them. I think they've had this one circled maybe even more than the Virginia game. In fact, this is the last game I can really remember that Illinois got dominated yep. up front and physically. I haven't seen them be dominated. So I think it's going to be a very, very different ball game than last week. Uh, sorry, last year. I think it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. I really do. 
uh, who can make plays uh, when it really counts in the red zone, third down, and of course, turnovers. Like all big games come down to that. Because I do think they are very actually evenly matched. Um, one thing that I'm, I'm concerned about that we just haven't seen a ton of is we have not seen a run game with the hard play action that Wisconsin has. And hopefully uh, the man-to-man coverage negates that because play action should not affect man-to-man coverage on receivers. It does affect the linebackers, though, the tight ends, uh, because they're the guys that have to guard tight ends and running backs. And you've got to take over the run and know where your man's at. So I think that's what concerns me is I don't think they've seen an attack like this, but I'm anxious to see what will happen. In my mind, Jay, that all that RPOing against uh, against uh, Chattanooga was was to set up this week because I, I don't think Illinois is going to be able to run the ball uh, against Wisconsin like they have recently. So I mean, sure. Jim Leonard's defense is that that good, and we've just seen Illinois at some points struggle to run the ball, even though Chase Brown can can I guess outrun some some bad blocking at some points. Um, they're going to have to throw the ball, right? To, to sure. a lot to, to, to win this game. I sure. No, I, I think, I think that's why having Pat Bryant and Isaiah Williams confident going in this game is, is critical, but I, I will say this. I think we need some production of our tight ends. I think Luke Ford needs to come to play. I think tip Ryman needs to come to play. Right. Uh, I've been impressed by Marques. you know, I mean, he's a big, big play guy. I mean, we've, we've got some tight ends and whatnot. And I wouldn't be surprised to see, uh, Chase get some stuff in the backfield. I I don't know what the status of um, Josh McCray is. You know, I I kind of had this as the date that they would probably try to get him back. Not because I talked to anybody, but just as I looked at the schedule with the bye week, probably didn't need him for Chattanooga. Could he be back healthy enough to run? I think that's a question as well because, listen, 30, 25 carries against um, – Wyoming or Indiana is not the same as 25 carries against Wisconsin. And so if you're Chase Brown, you, you, and then Brett Beal, you got to be cognizant, cognizant of that. Right. And so uh, like you said, you're going to have to throw the football, but at the same time, don't get outside. I thought that, that Tony Peterson got outside of what we really wanted to do last year, just trying to throw the football when really all we could do was run. So don't get in, don't let their game plan who they are affect our game plan that much. Do you expect kind of the same, uh, you know, staff the box, go man-to-man coverage, force Graham Mertz to beat you, which is terrifying given what Graham Mertz has done. But um, I would imagine they'd rather deal with Graham Mertz than Braylon Allen. Uh, I would I would say for sure. I mean, Braylon Allen basically is exactly what all those Wisconsin running backs are every year. You know, um, good football player, big offensive line, good tight ends. Um, Mertz has been hit or miss, right? Except for Illinois, the, for the you know, when he plays Illinois, right? But right. Um, I would say this. I don't think, I think for about 2016 to 2020, Wisconsin had some great receivers. They really did. They, they recruited well at this bit. I, I don't think, if I'm looking just a matchup-wise, I like the way that our DBs match up against the receivers. I really do. I, I like who our DBs match up against a lot of teams. But I think you're going to see man-to-man coverage. I think you have Graham Mertz beat him. The big question is, can our young DNs – I know Coleman's not that young, sorry, but, but Akis and others – get pressure? And can, can Johnny Newton get pressure? Can Randolph get pressure from the interior? I think those are big questions to speed up the game against Mertz. 
Jay, I'm going to put this on you, but I'm going to ask you for your Big Ten West rankings here in a second. But uh, you were just in Evanston. What what is what is wrong in Northwestern? Because it's hard to project another win on their schedule after losing to a MAC team and an FCS team. Boy, it's it's tough. It's tough times in Evanston. Um, you know, in Pat Fitzgerald feels confident that you know they've started slow in the past. 2018, 2020, they end up winning the West Division. Uh, I think they can they can right the ship. Um, but that would be very, very difficult looking at the schedule. I think they can do it long-term, but they don't have the dominant defense they've had in years past. Uh, they, they used to have a very, very tough front seven with some, some, some NFL linebackers and defensive backs. Right now, that's not how they're playing. And, you know, they had a long-term coordinator. Uh, I think Mike Hankwitz was there from 2008 to 2020. Mm-hmm. And, you know, very well-respected, probably an assistant coach for 50-plus years. and they're just not playing the same defensive soundness and, and the bend but don't break style that, that Mike had right now. And then offensively, you know, they've struggled to get consistency at the quarterback. When they have a good quarterback, they can sling it all around the yard. Helensky has a big-time arm, former Elite 11 guy, can make any throw over the field. But he also never seen a throw he doesn't like, you know? I mean, he throws it into coverage all the time and had some real inopportune moments. And – I think offensive line-wise, uh, they put some guys in the league lately, you know, uh, Rashawn Slater and uh, Peter Skaronsky over there at left tackle, but even he struggled a little bit. And Evan Hall, who was leading the nation in total yards going in the game, was pretty much stymied by a defense in Miami that was missing a few pieces. Miami is a, a good team. They would have been a great team this year if they hadn't lost their quarterback and they had three guys that uh, on their defense that transferred to Power 5 schools that will be NFL guys. So, I mean – They've lost a lot. So for Miami to come in there and do that, that being said, I always wish we play Iowa and Northwestern in September. We usually play them in November and uh, they usually get better by then, but it does not look promising when you look at the roster or the schedule right now for Northwestern. Although Pat Fitzgerald has done more with less before. Well, Jay, uh, I'm putting you on the spot with this, uh, but I know you can roll with it. Um, Let's do a big 10 West rankings, right? Like, who would you have number one? I think Minnesota. Yeah, it's pretty clear yeah. right now, right? Yeah, I'll go Minnesota, number one. Number two, I'll go Illinois. I uh, I, I know that um, they have the loss to Indiana. Uh, we got to put that behind us. But if I look at the whole full body of work of what they've done, um, they have a legit power five win. Um, I like Illinois. At number two, I've got uh, – number three, I've got Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's going to be right there. I think they're very evenly, evenly matched with Illinois. Uh, I like Iowa at number four. Uh, I, I think they're better than Purdue. Uh, Purdue struggled against FAU. Um, I think I will always take defense over offense in October, November in the Big Ten. Then I'll put Purdue in there, right, at number five, uh, followed by uh, Northwestern because they beat Nebraska head-to-head. I don't know if they beat them head-to-head now, Right. But uh, I would, I would, I think you have to put them as of right now, head to head. They are one and zero in the in the in, in the conference. Uh, so, and now put Nebraska. That that's kind of my West rankings as it is right now. So Jay, you have them above Wisconsin and Iowa. It's a big, big couple of weeks ahead for for this oh, program. Huge right? couple of weeks. You know, I, you know, I, I'm I'm going by what I see on the tape. So like, let let. I think it's really easy to. What what we judge everything via looking backwards, right? But if but if I was 
from another planet and I, and I knew football and I just looked at the four games on tape that there that there've been right. Who, who, who do I think is a better football player? Football Illinois player. has dominated all four games. So, so that's what I'm saying. If we look at it in the vacuum of the, uh, you know, you're saying, give me your rankings for this season. I, that's a legitimate argument, right? The only reason that Wisconsin and Iowa may be perceived as better is because what they've done in the past, and we know that they're going to be this. But I think when you're trying to rebuild a team, and this is what we had to do in 2007, and we tried to do this in 2006, is forget last year, forget next year. What, what is this year? And if you turn on the tape, I, I would, I'll put my, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert at, you know, uh, identifying or critiquing or, you know, uh, putting an evaluation on a team. I think if you put 10 coaches in a room and took the jerseys off and just said, hey, what team is the best team? I think seven or eight of those coaches would say, hey, it's Illinois, right? And so if you did a blind test on it, and, and that's me being totally honest when I look at what I've seen. Yeah. No, I, I think there's a great argument for it, given how they've played and those other couple teams have played. I think Minnesota looks like the most balanced team, and I think Illinois would be right behind them. Like Wisconsin, sure. I got questions about – you know, can they, can they throw the ball as effectively? Iowa, obviously, can they score? So I, I don't think you're far off there. And, and, and who's got the best win? Arguably, it's Minnesota, right? I mean, I mean, they probably have the best win, although we just don't know what Michigan State has. It, it kind of has that feeling of, a, was it 2017 where Michigan State went from like 12 wins to like three wins? You know, it, it kind of has that feeling there with the, with the loss to Washington and whatnot. So but I think if we look at this year, that's where we're at right now. Great stuff, Jay. Always appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week, man. Yeah, always fun. Great stuff as always from Jay Lehman. And, of course, if you're a VIP member, you can get more of our All-American linebacker, more of his insight, as he broke down a lot of the RPO offense that Barry Lunny unveiled on Thursday against Chattanooga that could play a big role moving forward uh, with their conference schedule and being able to pass the ball. So it was a nice wrinkle uh, of the offense that we saw there. And and we dive into a little bit more of the pass rush, specifically with Seth Coleman and how Illinois has been pretty dominant up front there and, and what can carry over during Big Ten play. So check that all out on the VIP side. If you're not a VIP member already, I would tell you just getting Jay Lehman and Michael Tulip film rooms is worth it for most of the year, but uh, it's just another perk of, of signing up for all of that. Of course, we talked with Brad Underwood today. We'll have a lot more on that. Derek Piper at the presser along with Joey Wagner and I talked with Barry Loney, talked with Ryan Walters, and talked with Brett Bielma about a huge week ahead against Wisconsin. So you can get all that coverage at Illini Inquirer. If you don't already, follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating and review uh, if you could. Take 10 seconds out of your day. It always helps us out uh, a lot when you do that. And look for us on YouTube as well. Search Illini Inquirer. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and you can get all the video content there as well. We appreciate all your support on all of those different channels uh, where you can follow on I Inquire. But until next time, everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Inquire podcast. Mm-hmm.